The Internet's only all-business and financial radio network, Voice America Business. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations today. This is Cheryl Esposito, and it's Friday, July 20th, 2007. This morning, our topic is globalization. It's a matter of fairness. Very special guest with us today, Karen Tremontano, founder and president of the Global Fairness Initiative. Karen has had quite the history in Washington, D.C., and she's going to fill us in on that. Um, the Global Fairness Initiative is a partner in the Clinton Global Initiative, and it's all about bringing fairness through the globalization process. And Karen, welcome. Well, thank you very much. I'm honored and happy to be with you today. Great. I'm so glad you're here. So I hear you're in hot Washington, D.C. right now. <laughs> it is, and they are promising that uh, the heat wave is going to let up. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see. Yes, it's summer in the east. I don't know about that. Um, and you just came back. You were traveling in, were you Central America or South America? Um, actually, I just came back from uh, Ecuador. Oh, okay. So. And... Um, we're going to talk a little bit about some of the work you're doing down there. Were you down there doing some work for the initiative? Well, yes. This actually was a, it, at this stage, it was an investigation, uh, a bit of an investigation trip. Um, the Global Fairness Initiative, uh, and I talk more about it, but just mm-hmm. to answer your question, we're in two um, sectors of the economy, largely, in agriculture and in uh textile and garment production, oh, okay. which is where um, the bulk of sort of the world's poor are in, right. the, in, the, in the informal and going into formal sector. Right. But one of the other sectors that we're looking into um, is ecotourism. Oh. And uh, Ecuador, as, as you know, has the Galapagos Islands yeah. and uh, an economy that really is branching out into... Um, Tourism, but especially ecotourism, because mm-hmm. of the value of the Galapagos Islands, right, and, right. and so we were taking a look to see, uh, you know, who our, our partners may may be, and um, seeing if we could add some value there. So. Oh, how great! So let's talk about the Global Fairness Initiative. Um, first of all, describe what it is that it your work is about, and, and tell us what inspired you to create the Global Fairness Initiative. Okay, I'd be happy to. Um, what inspired me to uh, create uh, create Global Fairness Initiative, GFI, was it, it, an incredible professional failure that <laughs> that I had uh, <laughs> while working in the White House, and uh, and that was as I guess known to many as the Battle of Seattle. Ah, uh, uh, yes. I, when I was in the the Clinton administration, I, I uh, was deputy uh, to then Chief of Staff John Podesta, and in addition to a number of um, um, elements of the economic portfolio that that I helped manage, I I, I helped uh, in the trade area, uh, and. Believe it or not, volunteered to uh, 
be the Sherpa on uh, the WTO coming to the United States in that in in the meeting in Seattle. Um, okay. And after you know, it's unbelievable both policy and and, and political disaster. You know, I as I was winding up my my you know my last year um, in the Clinton administration, um, I just thought there has to be a better way of 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 doing this and in, doing this thing we call globalization and trade and and uh, that the only people, at least in my mind, who are really suffering from the inability of nations to to get together on a on an economic agenda are the are the poor, and so that's what uh, inspired me to try to do something in a in a small way, um, and so we created the Global Fairness Initiative. And so your work is focused on primarily bringing economic models to different parts of the world that will improve the lives of, of people in the world and in their economies. Is um, now I, when I think about bringing economic models, first thing that comes to mind is the idea of microcredit, micro lending that is getting a lot of press these days and has had some success. Is that what you're talking about? Well, um, we actually do have as part of the Global Fairness Initiative um, a program called the Synapse Market Access Fund. Mm-hmm. Um, we created it uh, and actually launched it at the Clinton Global Initiative two years ago. Um, and what, as, as you rightly um, have identified, their microcredit has been a huge, in microfinancing, has been a huge success in developing economies. Um, one thing that we identified, uh, one aspect of this that we identified as a gap is when microcredit has you know sort of saturated uh, the economy, and these are small, small short-term loans, usually not more than twenty-five hundred dollars, you know, in U.S. dollar yeah. uh, terms, and usually payback is within a year or eighteen months, so it's very short-term financing, and at pretty high interest rates, twenty, twenty-two percent, you know. Really? Um, and what we found in in our work is that for entrepreneurs that want to go beyond uh, being an individual producer and maybe want to form a cooperative, like an agricultural cooperative, um, or you know begin to develop um, a small enterprise, and they have no collateral, they can't access any other capital other than microfinance. And it's too small amount, too short-term repayment, and too high interest rate. So a couple of years ago, we launched uh, the Synapse Market Access Fund, which is um, we loan money um, at upwards of $50,000 to individuals or to groups um, and we we base essentially collateralize the loan. We work with the local financial institutions to they actually loan the money. We collateralize it. Um, you know, we basically hold the you know if it's a twenty five thousand dollar loan, we hold that amount. 
um, and we buy down the interest rate and we negotiate the terms. It accomplishes a couple of things. It, it puts a different form of capital into the developing economy um, and it gets the, the local finance institution engaged with the local producer or the local entrepreneur so that it be, begins to develop a history and a relationship so the next time maybe they don't need the Synapse Market Access Fund to engage in the transaction and instead you know, with a good repayment history, uh, the local finance inst financial institution will just loan the money. So that is one of our one of our programs uh, at GFI. Well, I have to say that um, you certainly have a big way of taking care of a professional failure in your career. <laughs> wow, girl! <laughs> well, well but, but, you know. I think this is true of all of us, right? You, we do tend to learn more from our failures than we do our successes. Unfortunately, this is true. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, you know, trying to, you know, trying to leverage from uh, the wealth of experience yeah. that uh, I, I gathered out of out of that huge failure. But for to, to answer your question, with um, with the Global Fairness um, Initiative. Our sort of stock and trade, if you will, is we we have branded a process because fundamentally, um, and I learned this uh, from uh, prim primarily and foremost from pre from President Clinton, mm -hmm. uh, because what the president what presidents are able to do, and President Clinton was very able to do this, is they they have huge convening power. Oh yeah, and. You know, as as the head of a uh, head of a nation, and especially head of the United States, uh, President Clinton could pull together all the actors and players and yeah. stakeholders on any given on any given day in any in any given project or problem area. So, with the Global Fairness Initiative on a much much smaller scale, obviously, um, we fundamentally believe that where the process begins and if the process is effective and if the process includes all the economic players, the end result will be a better result for all of the actors in the economy, including the poor. And so what GFI does in our projects is we bring that process to the economy in particular projects. For example, um, Right now in Latin America, we are working with the trade unions, uh, governments, uh, and private enterprises to help them develop a model that works for them so they can not only maintain their share of the market on garment and textile production, but perhaps expand. And we believe if all of those actors are at the table, the model that they will develop will be a sustainable model. And so that's that's what GFI does. It's an it's an engagement strategy that we found to be very effective. And with our wonderful boards of directors, mm -hmm. we are also able to leverage the technical assistance, the 
academic and intellectual strength and framework that the, the economic players may need to bring that model into fruition. And you do have quite the board of directors, uh, the least of which, of course, is not um, President Clinton as your chair. That must be quite an honor. No, it's indeed more about this in just a moment. We'll be back with Karen. Talk about his money. Call us toll free, 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. It has been said that to live is to choose, but to choose well, you must know who you are and what you stand for, where you want to go, and why you want to get there. On Reap What You Sow, with host, performance management specialist, and executive coach, Alana Daly, achievement and success through expanding yourself and your life is available at the click of a mouse. Reap through redefining your goals. Educate your mind, your body, your conscious, and unconscious. Apply what you learn and plan, and it shall be. Success, over and over again, and wealth result when you Reap regularly. Reap what you sow with Alana Daly. Broadcast each Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific, 2 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. Reap what you sow. Learn the rules of the game. Then play better than anyone else. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. Money, money, up-to-date business and financial news. Money, money. Call now and get the financial information you need. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. We're speaking today with Karen Tramontano, the founder of Global Fairness Initiative. So, Karen, I'm curious about the concept of fairness in general. Why did you decide to focus on that, and why didn't you decide to call it something about, you know, economy or the economic system, or you know, what made you focus on fairness? Well, I think, from my perspective, when 
it, more than two thirds of of the world's people earn less than two dollars a day. We all can do better than that, and the, the I think the concept of fairness is one that, even though as individuals we have our own paradigm of you know what fairness is, right? For the most part, I think people want to treat people fairly. People want to give people the tools so they can have a fair start, um, you know, and I, I think when you talk about things like the economy or economic development or even sustainable development, mm-hmm. which is a you know a very good concept, it it really it doesn't touch people in the same way that the word fairness does, mm-hmm. um, and at least that's been you know, been our experience in, in our work, um, that we try to play the role of an honest, the, the honest broker, the convener, um, and be fair in our process, because I think in, in the end, a fair process, as I said, yields a, fair, a fairer result. How do you get... Um the people that you work with, some of the people in the developing countries who you're trying to help and promote better economy for them, um, and of course it, it's better for the rest of us and throughout the world, um, how do you get them to trust you? <laughs> that's that's the, the number one question, uh, and, and I think the, the most appropriate question to, to, to ask. Uh, it's it's hard. Um, I think first and foremost, we've now we've got a bit of a track record. So when you know when we go from our work in Cambodia and to our work in say Guatemala, um, we have validators from you know the government, from the labor sector, the NGO sector, in the enterprise sector that. Our new partners can talk to, um, so they get a you know they get an understanding of who we are. Um, and you know we try to lead by our example. Um, and you know, for example, when we are in a when we are in a project, we are fully transparent about where our money is coming from to support the project. Um, we don't. In a particular project, we don't take money um, or donations from uh, vested interest in the project. Mm-hmm. Um, so, we, you know, and, and we we in, engage in as transparent uh, a way as possible with all of our partners. Um, plus, you know, I mean, I've been a, I've been around for a while now, and I think as as an individual and our executive director Stan Beyer has you know been around and engaged in uh, a great deal of global work you know and as individuals we bring our own credibility and integrity uh to the table with with our partners and just like you know one would do in an individual relationship because when it all comes down it really is about individual relationships 
um, we engage in, in in a dialogue and uh, in as honest uh, a dialogue as one can have with our with our partners and what our what our interests are and you know it, it works but you you build it over time right you know it's a it's a slow it is a very slow process uh, because I mean I can give you a direct example in our work in 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 Guatemala, um, you know, it, even though I have spent a fair amount of time in our own trade union movement in the United States, and um, and so have a you know a rich background, and I think a fair amount of credibility and integrity uh, in my my labor practice when I was a lawyer, um, the labor unions in Guatemala still said okay, but. We want to observe what you're going to what you're going to do and what you're going to propose, and so they were skeptical. You know, then became more and more a part of the process, and now we're uh, full partners along with the government and the enterprises. In some cases, it's the enterprises that are more skeptical. You know, so right. you've got to you got to one has to spend time building those relationships and building that trust. And building those relationships with the right people who have the right amount of influence. It's almost like you have to find just the right lever to push in order to make headway. Absolutely. I mean, and we, you know, our model is to work with individuals and institutions in the country um, where we're doing our projects and Hopefully, by the time the project is coming to uh, a conclusion and the model is developed and it's you know going to then be implemented, that we have left enough tools and enough of an institutional framework and maybe an, an institution in and of itself that uh, those economic stakeholders, those economic actors can just go on without us. Um, our best successes are when we're no longer needed and we can move on to, you know, another project or another country. Right, so you're working yourself out of a job. Always. Yeah. Always. What are some of those tools that you leave them with? Well, I think first, the first tool that we like to leave folks with, and I think we've been pretty successful in this, is that process matters. And being in the room together is very important. There's a value to it, and it leads to the right result. Because in a lot of a lot of places where we we work and we engage, um, you know, f- for example, I mean, you know, in Latin America, there's a very um, unfortunate history of the relationship between the government and the trade union movement. Very unfortunate history. And getting getting those stakeholders in a room in some cases is the first time that they've ever sat in the same room together. Right. And so getting all of those players to believe that process matters and then building that trust is a huge, huge challenge. Um, 
What and I mean, in, in, in Cambodia, them? it was the same, the same thing. When you get them in the room and they really are wondering if they even should be there or if it's a waste of their time right. or if it's safe to say what I think. Exactly. Um, what are the things that you do with them that, that kind of helps bring them to the room, you know, in heart and mind? Well, we usually start by having a, a process that, you know, where we work with the individuals or group on their own first. Mm. So, you know, we will work with the labor folks. I mean, as you identified earlier, first building the trust between, you know, the labor organizations, the heads of those organizations, maybe the members, building trust between them and GFI. Uh, the same with the enterprises, uh, the private enterprises. In some cases, they're, they're U.S. Uh, companies. In some cases, they're, they're local local companies, local suppliers of U.S. companies. And so we try to ferret that out and then build trust, uh, again, between us and, and them, and the same with the government. Once we've done that, then we work on the process of pulling everybody together. Uh, and then the first um, engagement that we will, we will have is to, is to try to figure out with them where there is consensus on, you know, a vision for their, their sector, for example, if it's the garment sector, you know, where do they collectively want to be? Uh, they want to expand their, you know, their market access. Uh, do they think there's a future in what they're producing? Uh, and if so, you know, how do they want to um, expand uh, their their share of the economic growth in that sector. And so we, we, you know, we try to get them together on the thing that brings them together, which right. tends to be work and production. Right, and the common success. Right. We have more to talk about with Karen Tramontano. We'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free, 866 472 5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static, it evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Hey, Dad. What? I can't get the ketchup bottle open. Here, let me try. There you go. Thanks. You don't have to be a hero to be a hero. When you adopt a child from foster care, just being there makes all the difference. To learn more, call 1-888-200-4005. 
a public service announcement brought to you by Adopt US Kids, the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services, and the Ad Council. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leaders the world has been waiting for. Call today. The economy and financial markets continue to expand in both their size and complexity. But being able to anticipate changes in the markets for housing, jobs, and financial assets remains a crucial ingredient to our financial well-being. On the economy and the markets, with economist, investment strategist, portfolio manager, and host, Doug Cliggett, utilizes his 25 years of experience with that of his highly informed guests to provide clear, reasoned explanations of current events. To navigate the markets that influence our lives every day of the week, tune into The Economy and the Market. With Doug Cliggett, broadcasting each Thursday at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel. The economy and the markets. Clear thoughts in a complex world. Stocks, bonds, 401ks, investments, refinancing. We can help you. Call now toll free. 866-472-5790. 866-472-5790. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And we're speaking today with Karen Tramontano, the founder and president of the Global Fairness Initiative. Karen, we were speaking about some of the things that were going on in... um, some of the Latin American countries that you have been involved in regarding fairness and some of the union trade unions and enterprises. And do things always go the way you think they should? No. <laughs> <laughs> no? Do things always look the way you think they're looking? No. <laughs> um, you, know, in, you know, in part... We have to do our best as North Americans in a developed country, mm. hugely developed economy, to really you know understand different cultures, different uh, experiences, uh, and we really, really, you know, have to rely because there's no way we can we can put ourselves in any of our partners choose, you know, right. be they enterprises or workers or, or governments. It's just such a different 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 histories, different cultures, different experiences. So we really rely on our local partners um, to help us and to be, you know, translators and to understand our value to the process and not try to pretend that we can bring value to a process that we're not capable of bringing in and uh but no i mean you know it's interesting we we did similar work in cambodia in the garment uh production sector and developed with the with the cambodians and the workers and uh the ILO was hugely helpful world bank and 
developed a very, very good both process and model and end result, and were asked to try to duplicate that in uh, in several Latin American countries. Um, and, you know, they didn't want it duplicated. Mm-hmm. They wanted their own. Right. They didn't care that it was successful in Cambodia. Oh. That's Cambodia. And so, okay, you know, and and so where we would have maybe as North Americans said, okay, here's the lessons learned, here's the reason why the model was and led with that. Right. As you know, we had to you know back that all out and really start you know as if there were no lessons learned and. You know, no successful model out there. And until they felt comfortable, and literally after nearly a year was when they wanted to begin to look at some of the aspects of the Cambodian model that might be applicable, you know, in mm-hmm. Latin America. So, so your uh, expectations in terms of a timeline um, going from initial conversation to action and implementation, um, your expectations must have been really tweaked, you know, from, from when you first got into doing this to where you are now. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, our sense of timing in, as, as again, as North Americans from, a, from working in a hugely developed economy is so far off. Uh, it's incalculable. I know. bet. Well, so. now, do, do you work with some of the large organizations like the Nikes and the, um, you know, Liz Claibornes and Calvin Kleins all over the world who are trying to work with some of the in, uh, textile um, workers in mm-hmm. different yes. countries? Do you, now, you've got a country, or a country, yeah, a country like Nike, no. A company like Nike, um, who's wanting to produce things yesterday, you know, mm-hmm. but they don't they don't want to wait. So, how do you get their their processes to slow down enough in order to have the success you're looking for? Well, it's literally on parallel tracks. So, for example, in in Cambodia. Um, the factories were still churning uh, out Gap products, right, for Banana Republic and Gap and uh, Old Navy um, and Reebok products and others. Th- that was ongoing because those yeah. those wheels don't stop. Um, mm-hmm. But what we try to add to that that on a parallel track is. How do we do this better so that not only is there increased productivity, but verifiable labor standards, verifiable human rights standards, expanding of market share, um, and what's, what are the, what is the process and what are the elements necessary to Makes that all happen while the while the wheels of the factory are turning. So, so this is so systemic. You know, I mean, I, 
I'm a systems thinker, and so what I know is if you push against one part of the system, the whole system shifts. And so when you are there making change in the larger system, everything else shifts, including what happens with the enterprises and in the global enterprises like the Nikes or the old navies, et cetera. And um, I'm wondering about CEOs and leaders who say, well, Karen or whomever, this is a little too expensive for us. It's taking too much time. We're not going to wait for this community to get it together. We'll go find another country and get our goods there. How do you deal with that? Thankfully, there are CEOs that have tremendous vision and for a whole host of reasons may be committed to the country, committed to the region, uh, or just committed to a process that ends up yielding them a better result that they can then market. For example, a We've, we've worked with, you know, a number of different, uh, companies. Um, take, again, take Gap. Uh, they were willing and in fact, um, very excited about being part of a process that in the end they believe would verify that their production and supply chain was free of any challenges about labor, human rights violations, child labor, because they that's where they wanted to be as a corporate entity. They wanted to not only be able to produce goods quickly and you know flawlessly but they also wanted to be uh, or want to be uh you know a corporation that can say our workers in the tr- supply chain are are treated well are part of a process there there aren't you know labor human rights violations there aren't so it's companies and, and you so right in terms of systems because it does shift, and the other shift that I believe is going on among the private sector is a shift to understanding that social, socially responsible production is actually quite good for a corporation's bottom line. Yeah. Um, I mean, one of the things that it does is it increases productivity um, and that is a huge value to uh, to an enterprise um, and it it allows corporations that have a vision to fully incorporate social socially responsible production fully incorporate to show improvements in in their bottom line in their not on the defense in a public relations or a public affairs capacity. Right? They can be on the offense. Right. 
um, and they can they can market that. Um, and those those are those aspects can be monetized. Well, it certainly appears that there is a shift occurring in the consciousness of our leaders and and our citizens um, of the world around treatment uh, of you know human beings and um, and also in looking at what's really important. Mm-hmm. Um, do you? What's your perspective on this? You know, and I guess part of where I'm coming from is the concept of the green movement that's going on. That is suddenly people are saying, "Oh yeah, you know, the environment. That's right. That's a good thing." Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. Um, and everybody wants to jump on the bandwagon, and so there's um, there's excitement. At the same time, there's a little wariness around: Is this real? In terms of all of the people who are saying they are green. Um, but it seems bigger than just the environment. It seems like this is just a starting point. What's your perspective on how fast these changes can happen? Well, I don't know in terms of time, honestly, but the shift that I believe is happening, and I think this is hugely important, is in two areas. One well, one area is... Can you hang on just a second? Yes. Andy says we have to go to a break. Okay. We'll be right back. Talk about his money. Call us toll free 866-472-5790 and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexsaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. Why is Pepsi cooler than Coke? Why are iPods so popular? In 2005, how can you launch a successful brand? Want to know? Learn about the fascinating and intriguing world of graphic design and branding on Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time, Debbie Millman will provide you with a provocative look into the stimulating world of design as it intersects with contemporary culture. Hear what the experts have to say about creating, maintaining, and launching a brand in today's challenging marketplace. Join us every Friday at 12 Pacific Standard Time for Design Matters with Debbie Millman. Right here on the Bottom Line in Business Talk, Voice America Business. Are you ready to become a global citizen of the world? What would it be like to share your future with people of all ages from around the world who have one major thing in common? A commitment to make a difference with no language, religion, or age barriers. Make a difference in this world. Come to Bali this summer for an experience of a lifetime. Awakening Global Action, a seven-day gathering that will change your world. Call 866-458-2254 or visit our website at www.baliinstitute.org. You are the leader the world has been waiting for. Call today. 
talk about his money, call us toll-free, 866-472-5790, and talk to the experts. We talk money all the time. Voice America Business. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back. This is Cheryl Esposito, and we're speaking with Karen Tramontano. Karen, my question before the break was uh, give us your perspective on the time frame that, you know, we, we need to make things change and the green movement is in gear and consciousness is definitely being ra- uh, raised around um, human values and how we can build a better world. And your take on, kind of, you know, the time it's going to take for us to do all this? Um, well, t- time is kind of hard to predict in this case. I think two things that I've seen change over, I would say, the last maybe five to seven years. In the private sector, going from, oh, we have to do this corporate social responsibility thing, hire somebody, and never hear from them again. Mm-hmm. You know, they're somewhere in the bowels of the corporation. That has changed in a number of corporations from an individual who's doing something so we can say we've checked the box to CEOs and their senior management teams looking at how do they incorporate socially responsible production or sales or design or whatever they're doing in a conscious way, how does that become part of their corporate approach, their corporate um, implementation strategy, you know, their way of doing business? Uh, no longer interested in let's check the box, get some good PR, and move on, but right. it becomes a way of their lives, their business lives. Right. And that, I mean, if there's any one thing that I I think could really, really change the way poor people are able to get a fair shake out of this economy is more and more leadership from the private sector uh, that that looks at their approaches in an integrated, fully integrated uh, fashion. Well, and this begins to address a question that we have from a listener who emailed in and asked, um, so how do we recognize, sorry, how do we reconcile our current economic model with the concept of fairness and what you're talking about. Um, and I think it sounds like what, what he's looking at here is, you know, our capitalistic model um, doesn't necessarily consider that everybody has to be treated in a fair way. And so do we need to make changes there? Well, you know, I think realistically we're not, we're not going to change, you know, our 
capitalist system. I mean, it, 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 it not only is what it is in the United States, but economies that are transitioning, whether it's Central and Eastern Europe, uh, you know, all, all economies, Latin America, they're transitioning to a capitalistic economy. So I don't, I don't think, you know, the, you know, socialist revolution is gonna, you know, happen in the world's economies anytime soon. Probably not in my lifetime. So it really is, at least in our view, it is about engaging in a process that people have to look across the table and understand and get to know that, literally, that person that can be treated more fairly in their process. And, you know, my, in, in, in Global Fairness um, Initiatives Board, I mean, we are just rich with wonderful, wonderful board members, as you said, led by President Clinton. But we also have representatives uh, of very, very poor nations, nation states uh, in India, and they all sit across the table from each other. Um, And our board meetings are just mirrors of our process. And I, I think to to the um, the question from your your audience is, it's about fostering, promoting, and supporting more engagements, uh, more more of a process where we get to we get to know who we are as individuals, even though we have very different. Very different lives, very different cultures, very different histories, very very different places in the economy, and as a result of that, the approaches that not only the private sector but the government sector and the NGO sector will be different. Right, right, uh, and that somewhat answers what my next question was going to be: was you know, if people said, Karen, what can I do in my life? To make a difference, um, if I'm not traveling with you and going and sitting in those those rooms to you know, change small country economics, what can I do? And one of those things is to simply get to know the people that are around me. What are some other things? What if I want to know what you know how to be part of Global Fairness Initiative? What do they do? Well, first. People can go right to our website mm-hmm. <laughs> and uh, you know contact us. They, they, we're we're small enough that we answer our own phone, and <laughs> <laughs> um, they can call me or call Stan. Uh, and you know there 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 may be projects uh, that people are are, are interested in um, that they you know that they want to support um, financially, intellectually, um, or maybe they just want to roll up their sleeves. And you know, do some do some work with us. Maybe they, maybe you know, they have uh, a wealth of technical assistance. I mean, one of our partners um, is a supply chain management um, trade association, and and they have hundreds. Their membership of hundreds of corporate uh, corporate entities that 
you care about supply chain management. Right. And, and they're just terrific because these, these guys are all wonderful engineers, mm-hmm. and they just want to roll up their sleeves and help us figure out how, you know, nut farmers in Africa yeah. can get their supply chain, you know, cooking so they can get that product out quicker and, you know, with um, right. understanding right. Uh, where it originated, what processes happen in the middle and what processes happen in the end. You know, the, supporting small organizations, you know, once folks are figure out, yeah, they are doing work that, you know, I would like to do, but I really can't do it. I don't have the time. Yeah. You know, financial support for small organizations right. is just right. is just huge. Well, and it's good to know that there are things people can do um, besides writing the check, and I think people are always interested in what that is. And so um, if people have skills or knowledge, you know, that's, mm-hmm. also, that's also useful. Karen, I have so many other questions that I would love to ask you, and we are coming to a close. And so I would like to invite you to come back to Leading Conversations and share with us a little bit more in depth about some of your projects, like the Women's Leadership Council, um, which I know many of our listeners are interested in, and some of the grassroots trading networks. so we'll have to make that happen. In the well, future. I would love to. Thank you so much. Uh, this has been this has been great. Really, really appreciate it. So. It's been wonderful for us. And uh, please say hi to President Clinton. I will do that. We're a fan. <laughs> Terrific. Thank you so much. Thanks, Karen. This is Cheryl Esposito with Leading Conversations. Remember, everyone, think big. The world could become a better place because of a conversation that matters. So long, for too long, hey, we've been seated for so long. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G dot com. See you next week.